Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGold for Game Week 33. Gareth Wheeler, Andrew Beasley with you as we decided to switch things up and put in more work this week with a massive midweek fixture list pre- presented to all of us this week with a game that could really go on and decide who may win the Premier League. Uh, we're working on a Monday. Uh, how do you feel about that, Andrew? Because usually we wait till later in the week, we'll record a podcast, look ahead to the weekend, but not only Tuesday, not only Wednesday, but matches on Thursday as well, and some big ones this week on the fixture list. Yeah, it's rare to have a full slate of fixtures in, in midweek in the Premier League, but as you say, we've got one here. Manchester City versus Arsenal obviously dominates the conversation, um, but there's some big games at the bottom of the table as well, and obviously Tottenham versus Manchester United, potentially a big game, Tottenham Definitely need to bounce back from what happened uh, yesterday as we record this. So, um, yeah, some some interesting uh, games for us to talk through, certainly. I mean, I mean, certainly we can build this as the City v Arsenal podcast, but there's much more to dig into. Uh, there is one familiar voice, familiar face who's missing from this week's podcast, and it's Jake Osgathorpe. And we want to congratulate Jake and his wife. They welcomed to the world a baby girl, Lily, last week. And we're thrilled for Jake. Uh, He's going to take a couple weeks off, get his bearings. As any new father is aware, it takes some time to adjust. I was messaging back and forth with him on the weekend. And he had a great week in terms of his plays on last week's podcast. So with the baby in one arm, he's staring at his picks out of his other eye. So I think he's already hit his groove, Andrew. He's already right in the mix. So we're all thrilled for him here on this podcast and at Pinnacle. So congratulations to Jake. Yes, it's really great news for him. And obviously it gives me a chance to come and uh, see how I can get on with the the Premier League, mainly do the Champions League pods. But um, no, I'm looking forward to this. I didn't have too bad a weekend, uh, weekend just gone. So I have to see what we can dig out for this midweek set of games. Andrew, you're a pro's pro. You're going to jump right on this moving train. And we're looking forward to this week's podcast. So let's dig in right away. But before we take a look ahead, let's take a look back to game week 32 and what transpired. I I mean, it was another really good week of games. Uh, One of the matches of the season it was Arsenal playing to uh, playing to a three three draw with some ta- with, with Southampton. There were twists and turns along the way. Uh, twice Southampton led by two goals in that one. Ahead of time on Pinnacle, the draw played at six twenty six. Six or more goals, you could have made that play at Pinnacle as well. Plus eight oh two. Both teams at the end. I'm not sure Andrew whether they were both deflated because the point really didn't do much for either, or they're just simply out of gas. Like both both teams left it all in the field. They showed their strengths. They showed their flaws and everything in between. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously Southampton no doubt would have taken a point beforehand, but to be two nil and three one up, really, um, you, you've got to want to see that out. And obviously for Arsenal, it's just sort of a continuation of their their recent form. I mean, you look at their last 10 games, their record of, of seven wins and three draws in, in that spell is pretty good. 10 games since they last faced Manchester City and lost. But of course, with these three draws coming as they have, both in a row and also the manner of them, you know, throwing away two goal leads twice and, and having to battle back against the, the team bottom of the division, obviously it feels a lot more deflating than if these draws had been sort of spaced out in amongst the wins rather than been coming in a row. I mean, I thought it was only the fourth match this season in which one team had at least 17 shots more than the other and it ended in a draw. Um, but then City did that to Brentford and Chelsea did that to Aston Villa and both lost. So, you know, it, it is possible for that sort of thing. But um, it's sort of one of those results that most teams get at some point in the season where you have to come from behind perhaps unexpectedly and stuff like that. But it's, it's just the worst possible timing. I mean, you know, I knew at the end of last week I'd be I'd be coming on the pod this week talking about the, the City Arsenal game and sort of thinking, well, we could say, well, Arsenal will have will have beaten Southampton. We know that will have happened, and of course it didn't. I thought they would. I'm sure most people did. So um, yeah, not not just a bad result, but the timing is uh, is pretty terrible, really. 
I, I had a good week last week, but I was on Arsenal on the handicap in the first half. And when they concede within the first minute of the game and they're down 2-0, uh, that was the only thing that was unfortunate because to the neutral uh, viewer of the game, it, it was thrilling to watch. It's just it was very difficult to go into that game in a, in, in a game that featured first versus worst to back the underdog in this game. If you, you were on the overs, then not a problem whatsoever. I felt very similar with what played out at Anfield. Again, I was on a first half spread. I just followed that lead. Uh, no goals in the first half between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. In the second half, it all went off. Uh, what do you make of what we saw for, saw at Anfield between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest? I know you keep a keen eye on Liverpool. Uh, no one better in terms of deciphering what to make of them. In terms of home games, I mean, they've been a pretty convincing side. That was anything but a convincing performance. Yes, it was uh, it was a strange one. As you say, they have been pretty reliable at home this season and, and they did get the job done. But I think it's interesting. You look at Nottingham Forest, they love to pack their own defensive box, block a lot of shots. But that in turn leads to a lot of set plays and, and Liverpool obviously scored all three goals from set plays. They had 13 shots from set plays, which is the most in a league game since at least 2017. I haven't got the info further back than that. It could be a lot longer than that. Mm. So that was quite unusual, but obviously they made the most of the of the set pieces and Whilst there was a touch of misfortune with the two goals they conceded, they were both deflected. The second goal deflected twice. They were a little bit unlucky. You know, a, a, a sort of newly promoted team in the relegation zone shouldn't be causing such panic with some long throws, but but that is what happened. And, uh, you know, last season, this this back four of um, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Canate and Van Dijk was, was largely unstoppable. And uh, they haven't played together too often this season, but obviously they're... You know, another game where they were together on Saturday and they, they conceded twice. So um, you just don't know what to expect, really. I mean, you could generally say Liverpool are good at home and bad away. But yeah, it was just another game this season where you could have kind of had any outcome. And, and you know, Liverpool might have uh, might have not been able to complain about it, really. The biggest surprise, Nottingham Forest had scored five goals away from home on the season coming into that game. Go to Anfield and score two. Go figure. The result of the weekend was from St. James's Park on Sunday. The game was over after 21 minutes as Newcastle rushed out to a five-goal lead through 21 minutes over Spurs. It ended in embarrassment, a 6-1 final. Uh, six or more total goals played on Pinnacle at plus 11.74. Five or more Newcastle goals at plus 25.63. Look, like, look, like the Spurs side has been anything but convincing, Andrew. But a result like this, a Newcastle side coming off a loss in their game prior against Aston Villa to come out with this kind of performance. I mean, this had to be the shock result. result. Maybe not the fact that Newcastle won. Both Jake and I were backing them to win. They're a superior side, but it's the manner of how. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I had Newcastle to win an over 2.5 goals at plus 175. So that was good. I just didn't expect it to be effectively settled inside 10 minutes. That that bet would basically be... uh, be in the bank so I mean it was good from that perspective but um, yeah I guess with hindsight it was probably a good fixture for Newcastle coming on the back of um, their Aston Villa loss because obviously Tottenham are in a bit of a, a state at the moment um, you know I, I noticed uh, earlier Newcastle haven't finished above Spurs since 2004 but they're obviously going to this year and, it, and it's hard to see how Spurs will finish above them in the in the near future with all the sort of confusion there and obviously Newcastle and, and the backing they now have Um you know, it's not a sort of shifting of the sands purely on that one game. But I mean, yeah, the, the teams look like they're heading in massively opposite directions at the moment. And it's got to be massively concerning for the Spurs fans that they were just ripped apart, as we say, sort of uh, basically done in 20 minutes, if not in 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, obviously a big game for them with Man United this week. And I think that's a very tough game to call. Uh, you just need to look at the managerial position, stability and how and Whatever's going on at Spurs, it's not doing the trick. It was just an eight-match fixture list with the FA Cup games being played on the weekend. Did anything else stand out to you that played out? Leicester City, man, they needed a victory. This could be a decent stretch of games for them to save their Premier League lives. West Ham have all of a sudden found some form. Is there anything else that stood out to you from last game week? Yeah, I think the Leicester win was probably the... the biggest results at, at that end of the table, obviously. I mean, it was their second easiest fixture based on opposition sort of points per game record between then and the end of the season. Um, they've also got Leeds and Everton this week and then four games against teams who probably won't have much to play for. So 
I think if they've sort of turned their ship around a little bit, and I do think Dean Smith was a good appointment, then then getting on that road with a win was was massive for them. I think Everton, um, you know, not necessarily the worst result uh, for them, but it's looking very difficult for them. Only one away win all season. They've only got one home game left against a team who's not in the top three. And obviously they've got Leicester away this weekend. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the weekend games in another show, but depending on what happens this midweek, that could be a huge game for Everton. And, and they've not really looked capable of winning away. I think it's three away wins since the start of last season, never mm. mind this season. So, um, you know, perhaps not a surprise they didn't beat Palace and perhaps not a terrible, terrible result. But obviously Palace, without much to play for, it, it was possibly one they had to be looking for more than a point from. Uh, they did a Calvert-Lewin back in the side, um, but still struggling to score some goals. And after such a bright start with Sean Deitch at the helm, just have maybe slid into neutral just a little bit. So that was a picture of what played out last weekend. We have a full 10 games to be played over the next three days. So let's get into it, starting with our feature five, and then we'll go rapid fire for the other five games of the fixture list. Let's start with Tuesday is Aston Villa and Fulham. Villa coming off a very tough game. It's always difficult to go to Brentford, come away with the result. They didn't lose. They came away with a 1-1 draw, a late goal in the 87th minute. Gave them a point in that match, 2.40 XG to 1.89, according to InfoGoal in that game. So the win streak ends, but Villa still undefeated in nine, and they've been first to score in nine of their last 10 games. They're still very much in the fight for European um, competition next season. Uh, They're two points back in fifth place Spurs, one point better than Liverpool, and two points better than Brighton. But both Liverpool and Brighton have game, well, a game, or games, multiple games in hand. Difficult schedule upcoming for Villa as well at United, at Wolves, Spurs, at Liverpool, and Brighton to finish the season. So you have to think they're circling this one as a should or want to come away with a full three points. Uh, four straight wins at home coming into this one for Aston Villa. Uh, overall, 9-2-5 and five on the season. Emmy Martinez, the goalkeeper, left the game against Brentford, was feeling ill, but he should be able to go on Tuesday. For Fulham? They've turned things back around. Back-to-back wins after beating Leeds 2-1. Harry Wilson has scored goals in back-to-back games as well. They're on 45 points in ninth place. They're not going to challenge for European football. At least it doesn't look like it. But important to them, they're six points better off than Chelsea. No clean sheets in seven. They played over to the two-and-a-half goal total in six of seven. Both teams of scorers played in four of five. And they've been the first to score in four of five as well. Away, they've been okay. Six, two, and seven. 21 goals scored and 20 against. But the expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, minus 11.8. They just simply give up a lot of chances. Head-to-head, Fulham won the reverse fixture 3-0 and put up a 3.14 XG in that game. They were benefited by the fact that Louise was sent off in that game for Villa. And in this matchup, Villa versus Fulham, they've played over the two and a half goal total in four or five. All right, Andrew, let's kick things off. How do you feel about this game? Should, I mean, Villa are the favorites coming in uh, and I'm assuming that's rightfully so. Yes, I think so. Uh, I'm not sure I'd be going just on a straight bet on them at minus 127. Um, But yeah, they are, uh, I think they are rightfully favourites for this. I mean, they've got four clean sheets in a row at home. Didn't allow more than 0.6 expected goals in any of those games. And they've also scored two or more in six of their last seven at home. And when you look at their home record this season, they've only significantly lost the XG battle four times. And three of them were to Arsenal, City and Liverpool. So They've been very good in this sort of fixture. Um, As you rightly say as well, the last four meetings have all paid out on over 2.5 goals. Um, You know, I'm not on this podcast every week, but I try and listen every week. Obviously, Fulham and the Overs has been a sort of a running theme of the season. (laughs) Yes. You guys guys highlighted it last week before the Leeds game, and I'd already thought the same, and, and, uh, and that one came in. So... Probably thinking similar here, to be honest, over 2.5 goals, minus 106, I think, or or probably um, Villa and over two, Villa to win and over 2.5 goals at plus 196. Looks like a good one to me. Um, you know, Fulham, as you say, have sort of turned it back around. They, they, they have overperformed against their underlying numbers this season, but they're one of those teams, they just seem to to keep doing that. You know, it's not a, doesn't seem to be a fluke that they're doing that. You know, they, they carry a goal threat from various different players. 
They've lost Mitrovic uh, due to his suspension, and it hasn't harmed them too much. I assume that it would, and it and it hasn't really. So I think we're safe to uh, to go with goals in this one. Yeah, uh, welcome to the podcast, or welcome back to the podcast, Andrew. Because I feel the same way. Over two and a half at minus one hundred seven seems the best play for me. I think that Villa can win this. I think you're getting a little bit more juice this week. Isn't it funny? You take Mitrovic out of the team, and they can still score goals. It's like under Marco Silva, I really like the way that Fulham play. And I think they can play loose now heading home in the season. They're safe in this successful season. They want to finish top of the table. They want to finish at a Chelsea. I think they can play aggressive attacking football. And I think that sets up nicely for Aston Villa as well, a team that I really like their attacking processes over recent weeks. Unai Emery at, Unai Emery at Villarreal was kind of known for being a very good defensive coach, but this team's very good from an attacking perspective as well. They lose Leon Bailey. They kind of don't skip a beat. Just uh, I like the way that this team's playing, particularly at home. Ollie Watkins has come good. It just seems over is the play in this one for me. So unless you have anything else to say on this one, we can just both, you know, put in those plays and we can move forward to the next fixture. And let's do it. (laughs) Okay, that sounds good to me. Yeah, let's carry on. Nottingham Forest, they're back at home and they're facing Brighton. It was a wild 3-2 loss at Anfield. They scored twice in the second half, only to be knocked back within four minutes on both occasions. They're 19th place, Nottingham Forest, on 27 points. But there is a road to safety here. It's going to be difficult, but they are just a point back of Everton and Leicester City and two points behind Leeds United. They've lost four straight games, no wins at 11, no clean sheets at 11, and both teams to score has played in six of eight. At home, they've been decent. I I mean, this is why they're even in the mix to survive. Five, six, and five on the season, 19 goals scored, and just 20 against. But they're the worst at home for expected goal differential at minus 8.6, according to InfoGoal. Defender Scott McKenna. The latest of many injuries that have plagued this side did his shoulder on the weekend, one of 11 injured players in the team. Brighton are looking for a big bounce back after losing to Manchester United in the FA Cup semifinal. They went down in pens. Um, They were very good in that game, though. Arguably the better side against United at Wembley. And their last game in the Premier League was a dominant 2-1 victory away at Chelsea. Uh, They played the fewest games at just 29 on the season. Four points behind Spurs in eighth with three games in hand on them. They're also trying to chase down Villa and Liverpool too, but they still have to play every team in the top four coming home. They're the fourth most away uh, points away from home. 25 in 15 with seven wins. They've been very good in terms of being an away side. The third best away expected goal differential as well at 9.5. That's just behind Arsenal. Evan Ferguson, the big man up top, teenage sensation. He's a big miss. Perhaps if he played at Wembley, they would have been going on to an FA Cup final. Head-to-head, these two sides played to a goalless draw. 2.34 XG for Brighton in that game of the Amex. Just 0.23 for Forrest in in that game. So they rode their luck to a certain degree. So, I I mean, file this away as a must-win for Nottingham Forest, but this Brighton side continues to impress. They're getting widespread praise. I don't think an FA Cup semifinal loss does anything to deter from the way that the the public perception has just grown around this team. The problem is now, Andrew, you're not getting the value that you were earlier in the season when we on this podcast were loving Brighton basically on a week-to-week basis. Now it becomes a little bit more complicated. So uh, what does this weekend look like for you? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think you take this fixture in isolation and, and you'd be sort of all in on Brighton. But as you say, you, you don't get the value in doing that now. And, and rightfully so, they've sort of proved their worth. But obviously, they, they did play an FA Cup semi-final with, with extra time and, and a penalty shootout, as we know, on Sunday. And you don't know how much of a toll that's going to take on them because obviously without having sort of European football, they're not accustomed to playing all these games in quick succession. And that's obviously very physically, mentally, emotionally draining occasion to to play at Wembley and, and play for two hours and, and not get a win at the end of it, which, as you say, they they sort of arguably deserve to. Um, so that's probably the main thing that, that's in Forrest's favour. An, an evening game at home against a team that's bound to be tired probably gives them a better chance than than they would normally have. 
as you mentioned, the reverse fixture was sort of a classic Brighton home game where they totally dominated Forest, but but couldn't get the breakthrough. Um, it is a big game for Forest. I mean, based on the points per game of of remaining opponents, Forest have the hardest run in of the bottom six and their eleven games without a win as well. So it feels like one they they have to win. Their six wins have come with five one nils and a two nil. But um, with Brighton involved, there tends to be quite a few more goals, as, as I'm sure you know. I mean, they have um, Brighton have got six wins and three draws away to the bottom ten this season, but only two clean sheets in those games. But when you look at their away form, I mean, they've won the XG in their last seven away games. So, as oh. I say, everything points to a to a Brighton win. It's just how do they respond to Sunday? Um, but but I was thinking, sort of looking at the the available markets, I was thinking maybe Brighton and over two point five goals. Uh, that was plus 132 when I looked earlier today. I can't quite see it to hand now, but something like that. Brighton and both teams to score was plus 242. I think something along those lines is, is probably what we'll see here. They should still have too much for Forest, even with their um, exertions against United, I think. Uh, both teams to score and over two and a half right now on Pinnacle is plus 140. So even a little bit more. Uh, juice to get behind that, Andrew. I'm just going to keep it a little bit more simple and just go both teams to score at minus 112. I mean, even without Ferguson, just <laughs> there's enough attacking quality in, in this Brighton side. Didn't come off from Matoma at Wembley. That's okay. McAllister ran the show. Well back, a consistent threat. Um, I have no doubt that uh, Brighton can go to Forest and, and and come away with a goal. Like Forest is just a nightmare defensively, aren't they? Just and that's shocking to me, considering they have one of the top goalkeepers in in terms of performance. In Kaylor Navas, he's been he hasn't been the problem. It's like the chopping and changing of the team in front, defensive injuries, defensive profile. Steve Cooper has done what he what he's could. I've, I've been on this all season. It's just so difficult to make so many changes, bringing what twenty seven players and. Expect them to all like come together, and it's, it's, it's to me it was wishful thinking. And I think based upon the nature of the occasion, that Forrest has to come away with something. That I think that they have the chance of of, of finding the back of the net as well. And at minus one twelve, I, I'm, I'm tempted to play the total over two point seven five at minus one hundred one. I, I think that that's a decent bet as well. Um, and if you like both teams to score in Brighton, then you might as well make the play that Andrew kind of recommended <laughs> for Brighton to win and over the total. But I'll just stick with both teams to score at minus 112 in this one and see what happens. Perhaps Forrest can come away with something. A draw against a very good Brighton side, I think that would be a pretty decent result, Andrew. And they've shown the ability to play some of the bigger teams very tough at home. They, they did it to Manchester City. They've done it to others. So they can hang in there. It's a great crowd, a great support. Um, so, so perhaps that both teams to score is the best way to approach this one, at least from my perspective. Uh, anything else to add on this one? No, I think we've summed it up quite well. I mean, Forest only have one win and three draws against the current top nine. And that win was, was against Liverpool when Liverpool missed four clear-cut chances. So... I think everything sort of points towards a Brighton win, um, but we'll just have to we'll have to see what they've got left in the tank. Uh, let's move forward. This one should be a good. Um, this one should be a really good game. It's West Ham against Liverpool, and that's because West Ham has finally found some form. It's taken what months, but it looks like they're finally there. A big four 0 victory on the weekend over Bournemouth, just days after moving into the final four of the Conference League. Uh, points in three straight. After that embarrassing home loss for David Moyes and West Ham to Newcastle, it's moved them from the relegation zone into 13th place. Six points clear now of relegation. That's what happens. You know, two wins from three, it can really change things in a hurry. They haven't lost in their last five in all competitions. West Ham is 6-4-6 and at home, 21 goals scored, 21 conceded, but they are a top 10 side in terms of expected goal differential, differential according to InfoGoal. Liverpool coming off that 3-2 win over Nottingham Forest. They're playing some free-flowing football. They more look like themselves. And it's no coincidence it comes with the return of a player like Diego Jota. I mean, he's been great races in back-to-back games. Liverpool now unbeaten in four. They've scored 11 goals over the last three games. No clean sheets, however, in their last three. They played to over two and a half and four or five. And both teams to score has come through in four out of Liverpool's last five games. Their last away game 
considering their waveform as being what's really being in question. A reminder, it was 6-1 away at Ellen Road against Leeds United. Before that, they were winless in their previous four away. And the four away wins on the season, that's all they've won away from home in the Premier League. It's the same number of away wins as Southampton and Bournemouth, putting into perspective just how poor their away form has been. 20 goals scored, 25 conceded away from home, and their 31.6 expected goals against in just 15 away matches is bottom five in that category. Bobby Firmino remains out for Liverpool. Head-to-head, Liverpool won this fix, won the reverse fixture 1-0. Uh, there was plenty of chances in that game, though. 2.47 XG to 2.63 in that game. Uh, in this matchup, Liverpool scored first in eight of their last 10 games. And Liverpool, or West Ham, that is, hasn't come away with a clean sheet in their last 14 games against Liverpool. All right, so can Liverpool keep that away form going the way that they played at Leeds? And the fact that they're playing some much better football, um, you know, practice in the practical sense, as well as to the eye, it just, it's like looked much better in recent weeks, hasn't it, Andrew? It has, but I think in this game that the, the price for West Ham is really tempting at plus 292. Mm. I think if you look at the XG data, it should be something more like plus 175. So there's there's quite a bit of value in that. And I think as well, you you sort of look at the recent games between the teams. I mean, you mentioned the game at at Anfield. Both teams had a lot of chances. West Ham had five big chances, including a penalty, um, and obviously missed them all to lose 1-0. And you look at last season, obviously Liverpool were were in much better form than they are this season. But last season, Liverpool only lost four games in all competitions, played 63, only lost four of them. And one of them was at West Ham, where they conceded two set-piece goals and a relatively simple counter-attack. And obviously being broken up and teams going through the middle of their sort of midfield through their team has been happening a hell of a lot this season. It was fairly unusual last season, but it's been a theme this season, particularly away from home. And obviously West Ham did have that heavy defeat to Newcastle recently. And you can sort of see a world where maybe Liverpool score early and and they, you know, go on to win. But that defeat was West Ham's only loss in their last seven. And they've been better than Liverpool points-wise in the last six games. So I think maybe West Ham to win, possibly a bit big. But I mean, the handicap of West Ham plus 0.5 at minus 101, something like that sounds good to me. I think they've got the tools to hurt Liverpool. And as we, as you were saying, Liverpool haven't been very good away from home this season. I mean, they've only won a few times and they're conceding roughly two um, expected goals a game, something like that, probably worse than that. So with all of that in mind, and West Ham in decent form, obviously scored four goals in their last two games. Um, albeit against fairly limited opposition, but obviously they're in good form in that regard. I think West Ham to get something from the game, plus 0.5 at minus 101, looks looks very good. And I wouldn't be against betting on them to win, to be honest. Right. I can see a game playing out very similar to West Ham Arsenal from two weeks ago. Um, I think that West Ham finally have a little bit of confidence. They're finally showing what some of the, the, the pundits preseason were saying about them. Rather than the result, because I don't know, I don't know if you've been able to put your finger on it. Like what's gone wrong with Liverpool away from home? Why they don't look to be the same team? Look, that six-one win over Leeds. Like Leeds were exceptionally poor in that game, really, really bad. Full credit to Liverpool. I mean, Jurgen Klopp said it was arguably their best game of the season. That's saying something when you beat Manchester United seven 0 at home. But it's Liverpool away. I just don't trust. But what I do trust is them to score a goal or multiple goals in this game, West Ham might score more or the same amount. So I'm going to go over the total of 2.75 at minus 118. Have you been able to figure out, Andrew, like what's the problem? What's been the biggest issue in terms of their defensive work and how and why they're conceding so many chances? Because I mean, the data is there. It supports it. Like this isn't a fluke. This is something that's been a consistent issue all season. Yeah, I think obviously there are inevitably quite a lot of factors involved. I think one for me that stands out is they're not as good pressing from the front as they used to be. They don't regain possession as often in the in the final third. And we saw a similar thing happen to them two years ago when they had a lot of injuries. They have had quite a lot of injuries this season as well. That season, 2021, when all their centre-backs were injured and it, it basically destroyed the, the structure of the team and they, they stopped pressing from the front as much. And obviously... They've got pretty much the same midfield as they had then, apart from Wijnaldum. And obviously, I think two years ago, they could cope with the pressure a bit more than they can now. But with another two years on the clock and the 63 games last season, as we mentioned, 
they can't cope as well with a with a front line that's not pressing as well as it was. So I think that invites pressure. The midfield can't cope, and obviously the the high line they play inevitably then means they give up a lot of good chances. Players going clean through on goal and and stuff like that. So I think you know most people would point to the midfield, and clearly there are issues there. But I think if they were pressing from the front, if they still had the classic front three at their at their best, then the, the midfield would be able to cope a lot more. And it, it's it's that that's the start of it. And everything else just sort of collapses from there, I think. Absolutely. Um, I, I think your West Ham shout, it's a decent one. I considered it as well. The only worry for West Ham is I think they're weak in the fullback areas. And if you have Jota and, and, and Salah, you know, at their, not even at their best, if, if, if they show up the, the midweek. I think that West Ham, they can create plenty of chances against them. But you mentioned it. It's Nottingham Forest, just defending set pieces. West Ham, very good uh, at set pieces. At least their profile suggests as much. So um, I'll I'll stick with over the total in this game, and we'll see how it plays out. Are you ready to dig into the big one, Andrew? Are you ready to go? Because We can't can't leave it any longer, can we? Well, we, we could. But people might be screaming at their podcast device or wherever you're listening or watching this. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. It's a potential title decider, first versus second. It's the master facing his protege, a possible treble in the works, versus a chance for Premier League glory for the first time in almost 20 years. It's Manchester City and Arsenal. And heading into this one, Arsenal. Uh, the away side, they're on 75 points through 32 games. City are on 70 through 30 games. And Manchester City is a goal differential that's seven superior than Arsenal. City, they're absolutely rolling. They're on flames right now. Cut off the 3-0 victory on the weekend in the FA Cup semifinal over Sheffield United. They advanced to the Champions League before that. Uh, they're on to the semifinal where they'll face Real Madrid after getting past Bayern Munich with relative ease, I should add. 11 wins in a row for um, for Manchester City. They haven't lost in 15 games. Their last loss was February 5th at Tottenham Hotspur. Incredible. They played over the two and a half total in seven of eight. They've been the first to score in five of five. They've beaten other top competition with conviction at home over the course of this Premier League season. 6-3 over United, 2-0 over Newcastle, 4-2 over Spurs after being down 2-0 in that game, by the way. 4-1 over Liverpool. At home, overall, no one's been better than City. 13-1-1, goals scored. And just 15 conceded, although their XG, according to InfoGoal, sits at around 36.5, which just shows you how ruthless this team is, especially playing at the Etihad. Overall, a 40.3 expected goal differential. That's vastly superior than anyone else in the Prem. Arsenal second best at 29.9. So there's a significant gap there. And they're fit. They're healthy. Foden's back in the team. It's only Nathan Ake. He's really the only injured player in a team with an embarrassment of riches. The upcoming schedule for Man City, also very kind, with Leeds United and Everton as the opponents around the Real Madrid Champions League fixtures. But they do finish this season against Chelsea, uh, but they're at right at Brentford to finish. Two tricky teams, especially playing away from home. Just painting a little bit of a picture of what the title race looks like right now. As for Arsenal... That little wobble, it continues with a thrilling 3-3 home draw against last place Southampton. They were down two goals twice before scoring the 88th and the 90th, courtesy of Odegaard and Saka. Three straight draws, 3-3, then 2-2 against both West Ham and Liverpool after holding a two-goal lead in both of those previous games. No losses in five, however, no clean sheet in six. They played to over the two-and-a-half goal total of in five of five. Both teams to score has played in six of six, but they've been the first to score in seven of eight. That stability defensively that they showed all season long, poof, it's gone. William Saliba's back injury has really complicated things. Looks to keep him out for the run into the season and potentially long-term as well. He's going to be out for this key fixture and has proven to be irreplaceable in the team. Uh, Saliba's missed the last five games, and guess what? They've conceded in each and every one of them. 
Arsenal still the best away team in the Premier League, 11-3 and 2, 32 goals scored, 13 against. After this game, next up, at home to Chelsea, away at Newcastle, then they play Brighton. Not a very easy stretch of games for Arsenal, so this difficult run continues. That's what what, what made that setback against Southampton um, you know, so devastating for Arsenal in their title challenge. Head-to-head City won the reverse fixture 3-1. It was a 1.87 XG to 2.42 in that game. Hardy didn't play. Jesus didn't play in that game either. City won seven straight against Arsenal in all competitions. Their last win over Manchester City in the Premier League came all the way back in 2015. So that's the way things stand heading heading into this one. Uh, It's going to be the must-watch fixture of the Premier League season. So, Andrew, let's hear your play. How do you feel about this one heading into it? I would love to be able to make a positive case for Arsenal, but I think it's it's just incredibly difficult with the form of the two teams. I mean, you mentioned that City have won the last seven meetings. I looked up the last 13 meetings in the league and City won the XG in every single one of them. Um, in the games that the Etihad, it was by an average of 2.0 XG and always by at least 0.8 XG. And obviously Arsenal are better than they've been in, in a lot of recent seasons, but that, that's a serious advantage time and again over the same opponent. Um, they are the top two teams for total goals per game, both averaging 3.5 this season. So I think goals is definitely the way to go and then sort of pick your play from there. I mean, you could look at it and say Arsenal have the most away clean sheets in the division with nine, but it's only one from five aways against the top eight uh, when they won 2-0 at Spurs. The other four games that, that fall into that category, they conceded two or more every time. Obviously, I think depending on which model you look at, Liverpool had something like you know four, maybe even five XG um, when they uh, hosted Arsenal recently. So if you go on that basis and it seems fairly certain that Manchester City are going to score, are Arsenal going to be able to score enough in return? I can see them scoring, but I just think Manchester City will, will probably have too much of for them, not much value in a in a Manchester City win, just a straight bet. Manchester City and over 2.5 goals is plus 123. Um, Arsenal's last eight games have all paid out on over 2.5 goals. And with the assumption that, that Manchester City will win as they're in the in the better form, then uh then I think that's possibly the way to go. I'm kind of looking at things the same way as you. I think you, if you are going to make a play um, when it comes to the total, both teams to score and over two and a half at plus one hundred five. That would be that would be the play that I would make. I would like to see something like that have a little bit more juice. To be honest with you, Andrew, than just plus one hundred five for two mm-hmm. things to, to to play out. But City, despite playing some weaker opponents, just seemingly regularly concede. Like they haven't been assured at the back with all due respect to Rob holding just whatever it is, the, the, the chemistry at the back, whatever the makeup is for Arsenal, they're just not the same with Saliba and the team. It's very difficult to see Arsenal coming away with a clean sheet in that one. Um, so I think, I think that that's probably the recommended play, but for whatever reason, I'm just, I think a draw would suit men's city in this game. I, I know that the setback against Southampton is kind of... Do you think this is a must-win game for Arsenal? Andrew, do you think they, they have to win to have any chance of going on to win the Premier? Are you looking at the, the at Mikel Arteta's approach, like making this one a must-win? Yeah, I think so, because... Um... As you say, they've got a run of difficult fixtures. They're also, um, you know, only five points ahead when when City have two games in hand. So I think anything less than a than a win, it's pretty much impossible. I think even with a win, it, it wouldn't be a guarantee with the way they're playing and, and City's form. But um, yeah, it has to be Arsenal win if they're going to have any chance of the of the title. I think, um, but I just I just can't see them getting it on current form. See, and if you think that Arsenal might win this game. And this is where I'm kind of going with that. If if you like Arsenal in this game and they can create that gap, if, if they win, um, they become, you know, odds on favorites to win the, win the Premier League. The futures play at, at Pinnacle right now. Arsenal win the title at plus 310, Man City at plus 400. 
I, I just can't get around. I'm not sure what would have to happen to see Arsenal win this game. Originally, I, I was thinking Arsenal at plus a goal on this on the handicap at minus 103. I was thinking there's some some value there because even if City win by a goal, it's a push, and Arsenal need to kick on. <laughs> I think coming into this game, it's a must not lose for Arsenal uh, for for obvious reasons. A draw still keeps their hope alive. Funny things can happen down the stretch. City still do have. You know, Champions League football. I know they have an FA Cup final. That's at the end of the season. That's after all these games are played. But curveballs are often thrown. And things don't always work out in the straightforward fashion that we believe them to. I don't think that it draws a disastrous result for for Arsenal in this one. Obviously, a a win is preferable for so many reasons. But a draw, I think think you're okay with that one. I'm considering, I'm not going to lock it in. I will lock in. The both teams to score over two and a half, but I'm tempted at Arsenal plus a goal in the handicap at minus 103. Would you even go close to that? Or do you think that City are just that much better of a side and the data backs it up? Yeah, I think I think they are. Um, I, I can see your point of view on that, certainly. And, and perhaps a draw isn't the end of the world. Obviously, Manchester City have an element of fixture congestion to deal with, which, which Arsenal don't. Obviously, a huge tie coming up against Real Madrid and things like that. Um, so perhaps a draw wouldn't be the end of the world for Arsenal, but I, I, they just don't look like, even if they got that draw, can you then see them winning every remaining game? I'm not sure I can. So they probably have to go for a win and then that obviously probably makes it easier for for Manchester City. So um, as you say, Saliba being out, I mean, that that's huge for Arsenal and, um, you know, that, that could make all the difference. So I see the logic, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm all in on Manchester City, unfortunately, which pains me to say it because it is getting quite boring with them winning the league near enough every year. But that's where we're at. So uh, yeah, right. that, that is probably what's going to happen. I think the other option, if if you don't like the both teams to score at uh, two and a half, you can try the overs. I mean, the total set at three, and that's where the push comes in. So you get a little bit more juice if three goals are scored and both teams um, score goals. Um, you take that push. You, I mean, you need four goals for an outright victory. Perhaps that could be in the cards. I I, I wouldn't be against making that play with the total. Again, City, I, I just their defense, they haven't been that solid defensively. Um, and Arsenal, I mean, we we've documented their 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 problems over over recent weeks. I, anything else to, to add on this fixture? Like there's just a part of me that thinks that Arsenal can can get something here. I just the the form of of the attacking four players for Arsenal, I think it could cause all kinds of problems for that Manchester City back line, like Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, Jesus. They're all in great form, Andrew. You get party back in the midfield. It's just that maybe we're reacting too much to how kind of the games have played out in the last couple of weeks. You know, forced to hold on against West Ham and hold on against Liverpool, and then you know, having to claw back against Southampton. Um, but I think this Arsenal, I, I, I don't think that there's a goal difference between these two sides if you look on the balance of the season. It's just what's happened over the last couple of weeks and whether that Saliba loss is just insurmountable. So I'm really tempted to make that Arsenal play at plus one. I, I really am. If, if, if we're going to look at what this line would have been, you know, before the Southampton game, if City had won, I think it would have looked a lot different. I think the line has moved based upon that consensus and City going through basically a walk in the park against Sheffield United on the weekend. So anything else to add on this one? No, I think just expect goals. Um, as I say, I think City will have too much for them, but but certainly uh, back goals because there, there should be quite a few, I think. As you say, Arsenal have got the tools to hurt City. They don't keep many clean sheets at home this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Arsenal scored, but I think City will probably score more. All right. Should be a good one. Enjoy it, everyone. The fixture of the season and a potential title decider from the Etihad this weekend. Let's finish things off in our feature five with the other side from Manchester. Is Tottenham Hotspur taking on Manchester United for Spurs? My word. Um, as of recording this podcast, Christian Stellini is still in charge, but who knows by the time that this is published because Spurs conceded five in the first 21 minutes at St. James's Park in an embarrassing 6-1 loss at Newcastle. For whatever reason, Stellini thought it was a good idea to go to a back four in that game. It was an absolute nightmare. 
There's problems both on and off the field. The director of football is out. And really because of all this instability, it's it threatens Spurs and their potential ability to qualify for European football next campaign, something they've done every year since the 09-10 season. Seventh place in the Premier League gets Conference League football next year, but that isn't even guaranteed for Spurs. They're in fifth, but Villa and Liverpool are within touching distance. And eighth place, Brighton, is only four points back with three games in hand. Spurs haven't had a clean sheet in their last six. They played over the two and a half goal total in five of six. Both teams to score has played in their last six, but they've been first to score in five of six. The fifth most points at home, 11-0-5, 33 goals scored in 20 against. Hugo Lloris left that game against Newcastle. Perhaps he just didn't like what was going on in front of him. But it does. It seems like he's actually hurt, and Fraser Forrester will be the goalkeeper this weekend. United survived in pens to advance to an FA Cup final, and it took a lot out of the team, and it looked like they were absolutely running on fumes by the end. It was game 53 of their season in all competitions, and it looked like it. But it was a good character bounce back after character was called into question after the 3-0 loss just days prior at Sevilla. Back-to-back 2-0 wins in the Premier League before the Europa League and FA Cup games, and United have played to under the 2.5 goal total in 5 of 7. 23 points from 15 away. Um, but 19 goals conceded or 19 goals scored 29 conceded on the away schedule. Um, it's kind of a little bit more lopsided, horrible results at Brentford and at Anfield contributed to that. Injuries continue to be a big issue. Bruno Fernandez limped off his foot all wrapped up. He posted to uh, updates on his status. Such an important player for this team. Lissandra Martinez, Varane, McTominay go down the list of the walking wounded for United. Head-to-head Manchester United won this fixture 2-0 earlier in the season at Old Trafford. They've won four straight against Spurs. Spurs haven't had a clean sheet nine against United. And they played to over the two and a half total in four of five. Both teams to score in six of eight. So are you backing a bounce back for Spurs in this game? against a Manchester United side, which is looking anything but full strength coming into this one, Andrew. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one because I think you could you could theoretically make quite a strong case um, for Tottenham. If you went purely on the expected goal data, their, their price to win should be something like minus 110. Partly because they've only had two um, expected goal defeats at home all season and um, they have... Um, won quite a lot of games at home and things like that, but they've also lost when they play against the uh, the top teams. You know, when you look at their games against the, the current top seven, they did beat Manchester City, we mentioned earlier, but they lost the other four. But then you look at Manchester United, you know, they've only got one, one away win against the team currently in the top 13. And um, when they've played the rest of the top seven away from home, they've lost all five times. They've conceded 21 goals in total. So you could make a case that, you know, a lot of things point towards... Tottenham bouncing back just I can't have any faith in Tottenham doing that just the way that they're playing and just being so open and the uncertainty surrounding the manager and the interim manager and maybe they'll get rid of him and appoint a new interim manager I mean it's just it's just a mess and you know I I don't think their squad's amazing but I think they're better than they've been showing um, so I, I'm really not sure which way to go on this because, as you say, Manchester United extra time. We, you know, we said that about Brighton. United also having that game in Spain last week. They've got the injuries, so I'm really not sure which way to go on this. But I'm pretty confident they'll be. I'm pretty confident they'll be goals. Um, both teams to score and over 2.5 is minus 106. I, d- I don't think I'd be surprised if that if that came in. But in terms of which way the the game itself is going to go, I'm really not sure. What do you think? this is going to be our first Beasley versus Wheeler head to head on this one, because I don't think there's going to be goals. I think that the total of three is inflated based on what happened um, at St. James's park. Um, Look, Spurs are a mess defensively, but Manchester United are anything but convincing in attack right now. Like if Bruno Fernandes is out in this game, he just begs the question, Who's going to be creating the goals in this team? A team that on the season had been over overly reliant on Marcus Rashford. Like Martial doesn't really have, he's, he's inconsistent, doesn't provide the, the final product. Weghorst, Anthony's hit or miss, although I think he's been playing much better as of late. 
I just, I, I think that United are just a team, especially away from home. They really struggle and they really mm-hmm. struggle to create. So give me under the total of three at minus 119. If it is three goals in this game, I can't see it being more, to be honest with you. It's a push. You, you get your money back. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think a draw here, a low scoring draw, something controlled, something contained for a very tired side would work well for Eric Ten Hag's side. Remember, they, they it's mission top four right now. Like, just get to the finish line. They have a six-point gap on Spurs right now. You, you keep it there. You have a game. You have a couple games in hand. I, I think that's a decent result. I was tempted to, to play the draw at plus 273 in this one. I just, a, a team in chaos, playing at home, however, playing against a team that's tired, looks like they're on their last legs right now. I think it's. I think this one could be a low-scoring fixture, an uneventful game. But I understand why you see things the other way as well. Because why would you look at Spurs and think anything otherwise? What what we've seen over recent weeks, right, Andrew? Yeah, that's it. I think if they were just in ever such slightly better form, I'd be really on Tottenham to win this game for the reasons that we've mm. said. You know, not United struggles on the road and things like that. But it's so hard to know what team's going to turn up. I mean, you'd like to think there will be a reaction after what happened on Sunday, and obviously the. The fans will be expecting a reaction with them playing at home as well for the first time since that game at Newcastle. But I just, I just don't know. I mean, I'd say I think goals because uh, because yeah. of the defensive issues of both teams. But I take your point. It is hard to see perhaps how United will uh, will create too many chances. I think um, Anthony's not a bad shout. You mentioned him. I think he's been doing a bit better lately and he's about one goal below expected on the last four games. So um, he may be due a goal in that sense. But... As you say, somebody's got to create them for for him to score them, probably. So, um, yeah, I think any outcome looks possible. I, I do think goals, but um, I certainly take your point about, um, you know, United happy with the point and perhaps struggling to score themselves. Andrew's also banking on Harry Maguire coming back into the team, which always means goals conceded. So there you go. Contrasting plays, but, you know, maybe not convincing ones for the Spurs-United game that's upcoming on Thursday. Let's go rapid fire for the final five. Wolves and Crystal Palace, both sides just about safe, Andrew. Palace hasn't lost in four. The strength, the power of Roy Hodgson. And they've won four straight over Wolves, but Wolves have won back-to-back games at home over Chelsea and Brighton in their previous two. I have no play in this game. Is there something that stands out to you? No, not really anything strong. I mean, the one that most stood out was probably both teams to score. No, the last five meetings at Molyneux have all ended 1-0 or 2-0 to to one side or the other. I think Palace look good value um, at their price. They should probably be more like 150 and they're currently plus 243. Um, They've only lost the XG um, in one of their last eight aways to non-Big Six teams. So I think there's a fair chance that that Palace will win, but um, it, it's tough to it's tough to call because Wolves are in in good, uh, pretty good form themselves. But I think opposing goals uh, to some extent is is probably the way to go in this one. Uh, the lowest goal total set for the week, by the way, it's at two for this game. So if you're thinking, oh, it's an underplay, well, it still go could go under, but uh, it's set at two on Pinnacle. It's very much a relegation battle. At Ellen Road, Leeds United and Leicester City. Just really quickly, Andrew, get this. Leeds, no clean sheet in nine. Leicester City, no clean sheet in 13. Leeds have played to over two and a half in seven of seven. Leicester City, over two and a half in four of five. Both teams have scored to score for Leeds has come through in seven of seven. Both teams have scored for Leicester City has come through in six of seven. I'm going the over here, 2.75 at minus 106. Maybe my favorite play of the week. Yeah, that's exactly what I've got written down. I only wrote a couple of lines for this one in my notes, but yeah, that was it, over 2.75. Um, seems to be the way to go for the reasons that you say. I'm I'm quite tempted by Leicester at plus 214. I think I mentioned earlier, I think Dean Smith's a good appointment and I think he'll um, steer them away from, from trouble. And obviously this would be a big game to, to do it if they can beat Leeds. Um, but no, more than anything, I think this is this could be goals galore. So uh, I, I totally agree with you on that one. I, I just don't get why leads are being, you know, underpriced for me uh, or, or not priced appropriately. Like last week, it was two and a half 
for the and Jake and I both love the Leeds Fulham over. This Leeds team makes so many amateur mistakes defensively, but they have some good attacking talent as well. Um, I know they're a little bit different under Gracia than they were under Marsh, but still the same players. So I love over the total Leeds and Leicester. Chelsea and Brentford, perhaps this one goes the other way. Two teams that, well, Chelsea certainly struggles to score. And Brentford, the goals are drying up a little bit over recent weeks. What do you make of this time? It's another one that's tough to call. I think, you know, the, the data would suggest you should be going on Brentford, but obviously their form has been a bit erratic um, lately. You know, neither side winning any of their last six in all competitions. But it's interesting, Brentford have only got two defeats from eight against the, the big six clubs, the joint best points per game in those among the other 14 teams, along with Newcastle. And they've actually got a better record in those games than against the other 14 teams. Although, obviously, this season, the, the big six or half of the big six is, is not quite as dominant as it as it has been in the past. Um, yeah, I don't think Bright, uh, Brentford are not as good as Brighton, but I mean, Brighton totally outplayed Chelsea um, in their last game at Stamford Bridge. Um, so as I say, I think, you know, I think you could make a good case for, for a Brentford win, but, um, Brentford plus 0.75 on the handicap, I think it was, if I just double check that, I think is, uh, yeah, uh, plus 0.75 minus 101. I, I could be tempted by that. Um, but I, I don't have too strong a, strong a play because I think Chelsea should be able to, to beat Brentford. I mean, it seems crazy that we're even talking about it really, but, you know, I think um, you just can't rely on them. And appointing Frank Lampard makes them even less reliable in my book with his ridiculously poor record this season um, in management. So a Brentford win wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think if I was going on a goals bet, I'd be taking under 2.5. Uh, two teams that, that don't score a lot of goals, particularly particularly recently. Um, but yeah, there, there's no strong play for me in this one. Yeah, my play is the under two and a half. It's, it's Chelsea. They've gone under two and a half and five of six and seemingly almost every week over the course of the last three months, Brentford have gone under two and a half and six of eight. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is the fact that Chelsea didn't play on the weekend. Their last game was against Real Madrid in the Champions League. So they've had some time. I'm not sure even that's enough time for Frank Lampard to get it right. Under two and a half at minus 107. Another relegation battle. Well, Bournemouth look like they're kind of clear and they could get dragged back into this one, especially if they lose this weekend at Southampton. It's Southampton and Bournemouth. Uh, do you have a play in this one? I'm thinking goals um, in this one, probably. I mean, Southampton have had two 3-3 draws in the last five games and Bournemouth had a 3-2 at Spurs um, mm. recently. What you can say for Southampton, I mean, four of their six wins have come against teams in the bottom six, plus they beat Chelsea home and away, obviously, because, you know, as we say, Chelsea not doing so well this season. I mean, this is this is Southampton's easiest remaining fixture. So if they're going to stay up, and I don't think they are, but if they are going to, this has to be a must win for, for Southampton. But um, yeah, I'd be looking at over 2.5 goals at plus 103. I think Bournemouth um, probably will win, but uh, I'd be looking at the goals. Yeah, uh... Southampton just at home, 10 points, 10. Like what? Uh, just two wins on the season at home. It's just been awful. But Bournemouth has the worst expected goals against of any Premier League side. I hear you with the goals. I think Bournemouth is a better team. Mm -hmm. Plus 0.25 on the handicap and minus 112. I'll consider it. No play for me as of right now, but I have a slight lean to Bournemouth in this game on the handicap. Um, if I'm going to make any play at all. And finally, from Goodison Park, Everton, they just need points. They have a difficult opponent flying high coming in against Newcastle. Everton haven't won in their last five games. Um, what do you make of this one, Andrew? It's, it's, it's a tough one, but it's one of these games you just feel like has Sean Dyche written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, there may not be many goals in this one. I think this should be a should be a close affair. I think it's interesting you look at the sort of breakdown of goals. Everton have conceded the most counter-attack goals in the Premier League. And there's only four teams that have scored more than the Newcastle. And, uh, you know, New, um, Everton, sorry, will need a win. I mean, they, they probably won't play too open. This could be a very low-scoring um, affair. But obviously, they will have to come out at some point, and that could suit Newcastle. I'm pretty confident that uh, the Newcastle will win. Um Minus 0.75 on the handicap to get a bit of value at plus 101. 
I'm pretty sure they'll win. They should be full of confidence after Sunday. And obviously Everton really struggled to score goals. So um, that could be a bit of a, a one way to get a bit of value out of Newcastle. But um, I, d- I don't think this is going to be must-see television, this one. If, you know, the, probably yeah. a better game on the same night, I think, than, than watching this one. Yeah, it's a Thursday night fixture. I agree with everything that, that you said. It's just Newcastle win minus 128. Eh. Under two and a half at minus 120. Uh, there's just like no number that jumps off the page for me that I want to lock into in this one. It could be one of those very Daichian games where they just grind out that much needed result. It's just in my head, I had it made up. I think Jake did too, like last month that Everton was going to be okay with Daichi's manager. If they're getting drawn back in, just the results haven't gone their way. Perhaps this is the game that kind of you know, puts them into a good position uh, heading into the run-in of the season. No play for me in that game. So uh, that's the board for the midweek fixtures. We hope that you enjoy. We hope that you got something out of this as well. Andrew, where can our listeners and viewers follow along with your picks and your uh, top-notch insight on a day-to-day basis? Uh, well, I'm available on Twitter at Base Tune to Red, as long as there's still a Twitter. I mean, who knows? But uh, yeah, people can find me there. <laughs> and uh, share all the links to all the stuff I write, various um, betting previews and other stuff in different places. So, um, yeah, follow me on there and you can see what I'm up to. I like that. It wasn't doom and gloom. It was rather a question if there is a Twitter. Uh, at Gareth Wheeler. And, of course, you can follow Pinnacle on Twitter and our follower YouTube channel as well. The odds provided were accurate at the time of record. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Andrew, this is going to be great. Thank you for riding Shotgun today and riding Shotgun in the upcoming weeks as well. Best of luck with your plays midweek. And we'll do this again at the end of the week, looking at to the weekend's fixtures as well. Yeah, we'll obviously have to take account of all these games pretty quick and then get on to the to the next set of fixtures. It's a quick turnaround for everybody, the players and for the gamblers. So uh, we'll have to make the best of it. Plenty of uh, plays to make and plenty to discuss. As always, we are EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal.